Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I am kind of surprised, but not really. I am kind of surprised at how uh, so many Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, are not on board with the European model on really anything. They're always pointing to Europe for all of the stuff like socialist, uh, social, uh, socialized medicine, uh, uh, you know, green energy stuff, and even you know on transgender issues. They were pointing to the European model and the what, the Dutch model or whatever it was called, and uh, yeah, that's what the Dutch protocol. So they were always pointing overseas, over there, to the way things should be done here, and. Yesterday, the North Carolina General Assembly overrode six vetoes that uh, my good friend Governor Ray Cooper had signed, and uh, an outrage has ensued. And it is interesting to note that in America, the left is disregarding what Europe is doing when it comes to transgender protocols. I just mentioned before the... uh, uh, top of the hour news there at the end of the last hour that the Charlotte Observer went through and did this lengthy piece about how, you know, all all you need to know the truth about the puberty blockers and the cross-sex hormones. Right? We'll tell you the truth about these things. Yet, if you actually go and do the research, you find that, first off, there is no consensus about this stuff. There is great debate and not just in the like the physical medical community, like the ones that are doing the um, the the prescribing of the drugs and the surgeries and such, but there is such a psychological component to this stuff. So you have people in those areas that are weighing in on uh, on the best approaches to this stuff. And so, for example, the the McClatchy papers they talk about how oh, puberty blockers uh, they uh, they just delay; they're not permanent, and that that's not true. It's not true. To the, to the extent that, like, the National Health uh, Organization over in um, uh, NHS, Natu- National Health Services in uh, UK, three years ago, they changed their guidance on puberty blockers, talking about how little they know about the long-term side effects, but also that there are studies that show brain development gets halted. And I think that's important. On suicide, and by the way, this is from transgendertrend.com. On suicide, this is one of the other arguments they always make. Uh, but they eliminated, again, three years ago, they eliminated references to self-harm and suicide. Young children, they got rid of a statement that creates an association between gender dysphoria and having the wrong interests. As a very young child, we've heard this too. Oh, you know, my little daughter started playing with trucks, and so therefore, you know, she's a boy. They got they got rid of the those as sort of markers. Wearing the other gender's clothing does not make you transgender at age three, okay? 
Gone is the list of common behaviors that were previously linked to gender dysphoria. Like insisting they're a member of the opposite sex or disliking or refusing to wear clothes that are typically worn by their sex or disliking or refusing to take part in activities or games that are typically associated with the opposite sex. There's now There are more careful statements now that do not associate a child's interest with gender dysphoria and instead emphasize the rarity of the condition and societal influences. They say a diagnosis of gender dysphoria in childhood is rare. Most children who seem confused about their gender identity when they are young will not continue to feel the same way beyond puberty. Role-playing is not unusual in young children. Children may show an interest in clothing or toys that society tells us are more often associated with the opposite sex. They may be unhappy with their physical sex characteristics. However, this type of behavior is reasonably common in childhood and is part of growing up. Here's another one. An acknowledgement, which did not exist previously, but now there is acknowledgement of desistance. They say you may also find out that the feelings you had at a younger age disappear over time and you feel at ease with your biological sex. Or you may find you identify as gay or lesbian or bisexual. I do find this part interesting. I've... I've, I've read some uh, bit of literature on this that you've got a a portion of of the population in the transgender population that had they not been trans would have just been gay and it got me thinking about the backlash against the conversion therapy remember that They were like, pray the gay away, the churches and these, you know, ministerial groups. And they were like, oh, you you can't be gay. You know, it's a sin and all this. And so we're going to get you into these camps or or these churches and we're going to put you through these conversion therapy sessions. And we're going to get rid of the gay out of you, you know. Is this, isn't this arriving at the same conclusion? If you tell a boy growing up that he's actually a girl and then he transitions fully medically, does all the surgeries, now he's a girl who's attracted to boys and gets married to a boy, right? What's the practical difference there between a conversion therapy process and a transgender therapy process? What's the Gone are the lists of cosmetic changes to your body. NHS got rid of those that the hormones produce. They got rid of those. Now it says the NHS in England is currently reviewing the evidence on the use of cross-sex hormones. Three new conditions have been added to the list of risks of cross-sex hormones. Abnormal levels of fat in the blood, elevated liver enzymes, high concentration of red blood cells. Regarding surgery, they got rid of the claims that surgery has a high rate of satisfaction. They got rid of the um, suggestions that hormones and surgeries actually change your sex because they do not. Gone is the claim that biological sex is assigned at birth. 
Now it says gender dysphoria is a term that describes a sense of unease that a person may have may have because of a mismatch between their biological sex and their gender identity. So no longer do they say assigned at birth in the NHS material. Overall, the updated NHS gender dysphoria pages are an improvement on what went before. It's less ideological, it's more careful with language, and more factually informative. Let's go over here and get Sandra on. Hello, Sandra. Is it Sandra or Sandra? Sandra. Sandra, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great this afternoon, and I was just listening to your um, presentation commentary, and um, I, I just told the young man, uh, as a 7 to uh, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, uh, we had a sand lot across the street from our home, and the boys all played, my brother played football, football, uh, baseball, basketball, anything, and not basketball on the sandlot, but the others. We did the football and uh, the baseball. Mm -hmm. And I loved every minute minute of it. I would play with the boys. We had a collie dog. The collie would play. And uh, uh, I played Army with the boys. Mm -hmm. I had a great time down in the ditch. And then when I became 12, I was a 7th grader uh, in junior high. Now, I don't, they didn't call it middle school, 7th to ninth. They called it uh, junior high. And uh, when I was in the 7th grade, I was chosen as the most beautiful girl in the 7th grade by the students and by a Hollywood movie star. Wow. I have the annual to prove it. And uh, other times I was chosen as cheerleader and stuff like that. Well, this, you know, my opinion is this. This is BS, and I'm sorry. I, I know children listen, and I don't usually say things like that, but I am fed up with this, and I agree with everything you're saying, and I'm proof that you can play like a boy, be like a boy, but when you get to a certain age, you turn out to be a beauty. Well, yeah, I mean, this the tomboy question is one that uh, that muddies the waters in this debate, and I've seen a lot of different researchers talking about this very thing, uh, uh-huh. because tomboys are not boys. They're girls. That uh, I have two younger sisters, and growing up, they were always playing with us, too. All the uh, We were all in the neighborhood together, and there were just more boys, and so we were playing sports. They were playing right with us, and I would play different games and stuff with them. We would play together as kids, and... You know, they they turned out they you know got married to men. They have kids and all this. They they were tomboys to a degree as well when they were younger. So That's true. Yeah, you don't you don't just change them into boys. Sandra, I appreciate the call. I'm uh, I'm glad to hear it worked out for you. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Let's go over here and get Mike on the show. Hello, Mike. Welcome to the program. Hello, Pete. Welcome back. I miss you while you were on vacation. Oh, that's very kind of you. You doing all right? I'm doing okay. Good. I'm all right. I uh, had a... Um, 
life, nice little recognition from the National MS Society this past weekend. And that was that was awfully gratifying. I appreciate that. Oh, good. Uh, what was it for? Yeah. Well, it was for the Great Gatsby Gala, which uh, I helped begin some thirty-five years ago, and they they actually this thirty-fifth they kind of made it in honor of yours truly. It was quite congratulations. A Sort of thing, yeah. It was it was a good deal. Yeah, congrats. I'm, I'm 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 humbled by it. I really am. It was a lot of good crowd, and we raised a lot of money. So good. It was, it was a good thing. So good. good. Um, I, I wanted to focus in on this issue, and and as I was telling Bernie, you know, when I call, I'm going to do some general pushback, and I guess I want to begin by asking whether you know any parents who are dealing with young people who are struggling through this issue. I know I know a couple, but not really well. Um, and really more importantly, though, for parents that, whether you know them or not, we're dealing with, you know, middle-aged kids or high school kids who are struggling with this issue. And I guess the, the basic question, and I don't mean to be rhetorical, do they love their children? I would and, assume, I, I generally default towards parents loving their kids, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I do too. And if that's the case... And they're working out with their kids and, and with doctors and with all the other support group around, you know, surrounding the family. You know, uh, why, and this is what I want to ask you because I know you're a small government guy. Help me out here. Why is it that the General Assembly of North Carolina is a much better, much better decider of these things for everybody? Mm-hmm. One size fits all. Mm-hmm. We say so because we know better in the General Assembly. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that small government, Pete? Tell me so, about that because uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really am trying to get a handle on that. All right. So first off, I can tell you small government's got nothing to do with it because this that what they pass does not actually grow government at all. So the small government, I mean, I understand why you say it, but it doesn't really factor into this at all because there's no growth of government at play here. What you're talking about is whether or not this is a, is limited government, right? That's the that's limited government versus a small government, right? So so is this the rightful place of the government to be doing this uh, uh, this ban uh, yeah. for the various things? And I think that it's obviously so when you're talking about schools because those are government schools. But on the on the medical side of the issue, just strictly the uh, the courses of treatment. Uh, first off, government is already involved in. The, in the medical industry, heavily regulated. Not my preference, by the way, but that's where we are. Uh, number two, government has historically, yes, limited predatory industries that exploit children. Absolutely. All right, so, so are you, are we saying here that all these parents that you thought loved their children are now exploiting the kids? I said predatory industries that are exploiting children. And, and 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 they ex- and 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 the, and the parents no and the parents uh, hang on Mike I, I got to go to news but I'm going to put you on hold I'll tell you how they're exploiting parents as well this gets to this this false dichotomy this correlation is not causation argument that you know you got to be able to you have to affirm the kid or else the kid's going to kill themselves that's the emotional blackmail that they use to exploit the parents I'll get to that we'll bring you back on after the news. All right, more on that in a minute. First, let me tell you, the Heritage Life Skills event was fantastic. Every year, Bill and Jan Sturette organized the event to help people get educated on how to be prepared for anything. The Sturettes own Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials you'll need for any kind of emergency. 
food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies, because being prepared is just smart. The Heritage Life Skills event brings educators and vendors from all over to help people do just that. I was honored to be able to be a small part of it. And whether you're an experienced prepper, have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? All right, so we had Mike on before the news, uh, and but we were kind of right up against the break there, so I put him on hold. Let's see if he's still there. Mike, are you still there? I am still there. All righty. Okay. All right. Yeah. So uh, you asked me about uh, whether or not the uh, what the legislature has been doing uh, yesterday in overriding the vetoes, particularly on the transgender issues. You asked why it was small government. I said it's, it hasn't grown government. Uh, limited government, yes, it is limited government because this is actually one of the roles of government I would submit. It's to protect uh, uh, you know, fr- uh, the exploitation of minors. That's why we have all sorts of laws against uh, you know, exploiting and abusing children because that is the state. The state has an interest in protecting those uh those citizens. Okay, so can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah, about that? yeah. Go for can it. I ask you a question. Well, would that include, in terms of exploiting minors, would that include, for instance, the well, the American Association of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, a number of other healthcare um, um, organizations, mm-hmm. all of whom say that transgender care mm-hmm. is. Yes, it does. I'll stop you right there. It absolutely does. It means pushing back against what those organizations are saying. Absolutely. You know why? So they're 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 exporting children. Yes, I believe so. Absolutely. They're they're following the Dutch protocol despite the evidence that shows the Dutch protocol is not effective and in fact has negative outcomes. They're still following that even though the European nations are now reversing course on that protocol. And so your solution would be that indeed the General Assembly of the State of North Carolina knows much better than the parents and the doctors of these uh, children in North Carolina, these you know young adults in North Carolina. And again, I want to be I want to be careful here. We're not talking about you know five and six year old girls wanting to be tomboys. I love to listen to Sandra talk before I call. You know that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, in all situations. All situations, regardless of their merits, the parents who love their children, mm-hmm. we both agree on that, mm-hmm. trying to do best by their children, go to their doctors, maybe several doctors, mm-hmm. um, and are doing the best by their children, and they decide for their own reasons mm-hmm. that seeking this type of care mm-hmm. prudently, methodically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could keep saying that, all of these things. You're, you're still making the exact same argument that I've already addressed, Mike, is that the parents, there is a predatory industry at play here. And the General Assembly, along with half of the other states in America, have seen other um, scientific research, as has these other medical societies overseas that have been doing this longer, and they recognize this. And you can talk about how the parents, they're trying their best, but part of the, one of the linchpins in this, uh, in, in this debate, when, they go, when, when these healthcare professionals go to the doctor, or go to the parents, rather, and what they'll say is, do you want a dead daughter or a living son? Right or a trans son, they will say that, and they they position it as you have to go down this path of quote affirmation, or your child is going to kill themselves. So the parents are too weak or too stupid 
to do these things for them for themselves. No, they're being pressured. So it's not a matter of weakness. No, no. it's so not a it's not a matter of it's. I mean, those are your words. You're saying weakness. You're, they're relying on these these medical professionals here in America, and those medical professionals are relying on larger entities. That I don't know if you were aware of what went down during the pandemic, but some of those entities have not been the best on offering up guidance on every aspect of everything. And and science and medical knowledge changes. And what we see overseas is that those that were down this path longer, they've now reversed course because they see the long term effects and they and they've come to realize these are not uh, these are not the protocols to be following for the best interest of the child. Now, our our American institutions, they're not as far down that path, but also you cannot deny the the influence of various elements of the medical industry that are making a ton of money, right? There's also there's also there are also people, this this has become political, and there are there are activists inside of the LGBTQ community, quote unquote, that are pushing these things and shouting down anybody who disagrees. That's not science. But also, there's a there's a tension, and there always has been, between medicine and law. Medicine, I mean, medicine without any kind of checks with, uh, you know, with law, medicine will run amok. I mean, that's how we got eugenics, right? So, th- so don't tell me that. Don't tell me there's no role for the rest of society in reining in predatory industries, particularly in the field of medicine. Well, I'm just trying to uh, find out and uh, figure out from you, Pete. As to and again, uh, uh, normally you know, you're you're against this sort of government intervention, whether it's the size of government or whatever. I mean, here what it seems to me that you're saying is that indeed, again, the parents they may be trying their best, but boy, they need some help. And all these parents, they don't have any choice in the matter now. All these parents for children. No, there are, are exemptions. Now there are exceptions. You know, they, they they don't have a choice because no, they, they do. Need help. They're too blind. They're no, they do. That's not true, Mike. They 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 do get help. They, they can go to other states. No, 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 no. They can still they can still get help. What what they're saying is is that the the pre existing mental health issues before somebody comes out as you know trans uh, or dysphoric, I should say, gender identity dysphoric, before somebody. Start saying that there are usually in the vast majority of cases, vast majority, it is pre-existing mental health issues before the the the, the gender dysphoria, and so and you, you address those with the psychiatric care. You address those with psychiatric care. You've got rapid yeah. onset gender dysphoria. You have yeah. that element as well. This is and social contagion, Mike. Mike, this is social. Mike, this is social contagion. Do you know what that means? Well, yeah, but it, it, do you deny that? So, so, Hang on, do you deny that? I deny the fact that these parents. No, no, that's not what I asked. Capable of You've already asked me this. So I've already I, gone I over. Am. I'm saying if there, you if keep there, saying it. So I'm asking you whether you believe there is a that you whether you believe there is a social contagion uh, contagion element to this. For the sake of argument, please. No, I'm not asking for the sake of argument. I'm asking whether you believe it, Mike. Yeah. I'm going to say. I'm going to say, in order to make this point, that whether there's or there's not, and if you want to think there is, that's fine, then don't put a period, put a comma. And therefore, because of the social contagion, the parents, the loving parents in North Carolina need to be protected. See, this is the problem, Mike. You're trying, you're, trying to, you're trying to make this a political argument for me, and, and it's not. <laughs> I'm, looking at it, I'm looking at it 
as science. I'm looking at it from a a psychological perspective. And when I'm saying this is a social contagion, I mean it. For everybody? Yeah, uh, yes, for the uh, for like for like almost everyone. Absolutely. Almost everyone. Almost every one of them. Absolutely. Okay. And you don't believe that. And you won't even say you won't even say whether you believe that it's an element at play here, will you? I understand. You're not answering. Why don't you want to answer? I would submit, Mike, the reason you don't want to answer this simple question is is part of the problem with having the discussion right now. You won't even acknowledge that there is a social contagion element. I'm not even saying all of it for you. You just need to acknowledge that there is one before we can have any kind of discussion about how to approach it. If the term social contagion is open to all kinds of interpretations. Oh, my God. This way. Here's what I'll acknowledge. <laughs> I'll acknowledge that there's all kinds of information out there no. for parents to consider. No. And Lord Mike, knows you Mike, hear something different on the I'll tell you what, Mike, if you want to have an honest discussion about it at some point, I'm. Uh, you know where I am, noon to three. Happy to have it. But if you can't even acknowledge any element or even deny it, like that's the thing. You're not even denying it. So like one way or the other, you have to be able to, to, to come down one way or the other. So go look it up. Go do some research on the social contagion elements. I'm happy to send you some links too. But I appreciate it. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. And I appreciate the conversation. Let me go over here and get Joe on the program. Hello, Joe. Welcome to the show. Hello, Pete. Hey. I want to make some counter arguments to my uh, friend, Mike, who's a wonderful guy and fellow Davidson Wildcat. And he's a very smart guy. Yeah. And that's why I think he wouldn't answer your questions directly. Right. I think you're probably <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, Mike says that any government intervention is somehow big brotherism and paternalistic. And I would agree with his premise that most parents do have their best interest. Of course they do. Mm-hmm. And most don't need the government's help. Mm-hmm. But there's a fringe element that is either crazy or they're just very susceptible to the pressure that's exerted on them by school psychologists and gender specialists. And uh, there's a, I haven't read the book, but I've seen, I don't, I don't know if you've seen Abigail Schreier. She mm-hmm. wrote a whole book yep. about this contagion, about the, what uh, mainly girls to boys conversion. Right. And just the social pressure and these internet sites that, that are fan clubs for this type of thing. And some parents just, they'll give in. They Mm -hmm. are not strong. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, because I won't be around, but I think in 50, 60 years, or or whenever, I think these, these kinds of surgeries on minors will be looked upon like, like some of these experiment, medical experiments involving lobotomies. I think they're going to be looked on as barbaric and inhumane for minors who, who, to, to permanently alter their bodies and many of them are expressing now regrets that it, after they've gone through it. And it's just too soon. If they're 18 and they're ready for that, they're, a, they're an adult, have at it. Mm-hmm. But to disfigure a child like that is, is just, it's, it shouldn't be. And if we have to pass a law that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd rather the parents t- t- take the role, take the lead role, but you, the, the, the law has to prevent certain inhumane practices, and 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 if doctors won't won't do it on their own, and won't take these considerations, and won't actually read up on the research that's there, as you said, what's going on in Europe, then the legislature has a role. Yeah, and that that's unfortunate. I want to say one other thing. You mentioned it about I the trans lobby is just beyond 
they're beyond the pale. Some of the, uh, and, and I agree, the, the reasonable, what you said uh, an hour ago or so, the reasonable people that push for gay marriage, they won. Mm-hmm. And so they left. And now you've got these lunatic, not all of them, but many of them who won't let the opposition even speak. Look, look what's happened to Riley Gaines when she tries to speak. Yep. And, and, get, uh, and they're just crazy. And, and if you had said 20 years ago that you'd have men competing against women, that's just object, that's just crazy. Well, and it was uh, that was the big joke, Joe, about uh, international Olympic competition, right? That's what the Soviets were always doing or trying to do, right? I appreciate the call, Joe. Good to hear from you. And I appreciate Mike's call as well. He's welcome back anytime. You are as well. But, but for me, I'm out for today. Brett Winterbull's up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.